0: You're listening to Comedy Central.
1: July 24, 2019.
0: From Comedy Central's world news headquarters in New York, this is the Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition.
2: Tonight is an actor from Suits, now starring in a brand new spin-off series called Pearson. Gina Torres is joining us, everybody. <laughs> also on tonight's show, Robert Muller finally testifies on Capitol Hill. Lewis Black heads to the beach, and if you have a snow globe, you could be smuggling drugs. So let's catch up on today's headlines. <laughs> let's kick it off with some breaking news from Puerto Rico. After weeks of protests over corruption and leaked text messages, Governor Ricardo Rossello is expected to resign from office. Yeah, he's going out. Now, uh, he said he doesn't want to do it and he's reportedly devastated and crying tears over the situation. Luckily, President Trump threw him some boxes of Kleenex to dry his eyes. (laughs) And while Puerto Rico is saying goodbye to its leader, Great Britain is welcoming a new one. Breaking news overseas. Boris Johnson officially becoming the British Prime Minister today, replacing Theresa May.
1: I have just been to see Her Majesty the Queen, who has invited me to form a government, and I have
3: accepted. This photo shows Johnson meeting the Queen at Buckingham Palace to formally take power.
2: Oh, man, i, I like I feel bad for the Queen, right? <laughs> Once upon a time, she was appointing people like Winston Churchill, and now she spends all her time meeting with blonde haired Shreks. <laughs> it's like, she must be like, aren't you America's president? like, no, no, ma'am, I'm a different weird-looking man. <laughs> and you know she's got no <laughs> left to give, right? Because she didn't even bother taking off her purse. <laughs> like, <laughs> she looks like she's making a Brexit of her own, like she's off to do something else. Sorry, can't chit-chat, I'm off to watch John Wick 3. Best of luck. <laughs> And I don't blame her for not caring, because remember, this is her 14th prime minister. Her 14th, yeah. And the second one in the past three years. So you know she's over it. The queen is like a mom who's sick of meeting her kids' new boyfriends. <laughs> you know, she's like, oh, another one, great. Is this, is this a real deal now, or just another f- buddy? <laughs> in other news, if you've ever gotten food delivered to your house using an app, you've probably tipped the person for not spitting in your food. But now, it turns out that your tip might have been going to someone else. Now it's no surprise when you have food
0: delivered it costs more because of the delivery fees and of course the tip but more people are bringing attention to what happens to those tips some companies like doordash and amazon flex could take that tip and make it part of the driver's minimum pay. Here's how that works. Drivers are guaranteed a minimum per order, say $10. Well, the customer tips three bucks. In some cases, instead of the driver making $13, they still only made 10 because the tip went toward their minimum payment. The delivery service now only has to pay the other $7. It's called tipped wage.
2: Okay, that's just shitty, man. Yeah, it turns out some delivery apps have been taking the tips that we give and then counting it against the delivery person's salary, which is trash, right? People already don't earn a lot. you think the tips would help, and then they counted. It. it shouldn't count towards their salary. Like, they're completely separate things. It's like how birthday sex shouldn't count as normal sex. Yeah? <laughs> That's a separate system. That's what I told my wife. When she said, oh, we already had sex this week, then I was like, no, that was birthday sex. Look at the spreadsheets. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't, I don't have a wife because she left me because I kept a spreadsheet of our sex. But this is just another reminder that America has the weirdest rules about tipping. Like, I don't know how American rules of tipping work. Like, you're supposed to tip barbers, you're supposed to tip waiters, cab drivers, but then when you try and tip a police officer, apparently that's an illegal bribe. (laughs) Finally, some news from Australia. Because the island is isolated, it's one of the hardest countries to smuggle drugs into. But if there's one thing El Chapo has taught us, it's that where there's a will, there's a way.
1: Criminals got very creative when trying to smuggle illegal drugs into Australia. Police announced yesterday they seized 15 snow globes containing liquid meth worth $1 million. The snow globes were X-rayed after the contraband arrived from Canada. They tested positive for the addictive and dangerous substance.
2: There's meth in snow globes? (laughs) Damn, grandma, I didn't know you partied so hard. (laughs) I see you. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if every snow globe on the planet was filled with meth. Cause why else do those things still exist? You realize snow globes are basically just Victorian screensavers, right? It's 2019. There are no little boys out there like, Papa, can I shake the snow globe? Oh, how I find great joy in watching pretend snow fall for three seconds at a time, Papa. It's all drugs. In fact, if you think about it, there are a bunch of things that I could have told you were suspicious. Like, for instance, the hourglass. Why are those things still around, huh? I'm pretty certain that's just cocaine, y'all. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. We have iPhones now. You can just download the hourglass app. Come on, people. <laughs> All right, that's it for the headlines. Let's move on to our main story. <clears throat> Robert Muller, former special counsel and dad who totally knows when you've been smoking. For two years, his investigation into Trump, Russia, and election meddling have consumed the nation and its news. And when he finally released his 450-page report, many thought it would shake America to its core. The only issue was, it was 450 pages too long. And because it didn't contain any boy wizards, no one wanted to read it. In fact, in fact, this is true, polls show that only 7% of Americans have read the entire report. Yes, and the other 93% were like, I'll just wait for the movie. (laughs) Well, today the movie came out because today Robert Mueller testified live on Capitol Hill.
1: The president has repeatedly claimed that your report found there was no obstruction and that it completely and totally exonerated him. But that is not what your report said, is it? Correct, that is not what the report said. And what about total exoneration? Did you actually totally exonerate the president? No. Now, in fact, your reports expressly states that it does not exonerate the president. It does. Under Department of Justice policy, the president could be prosecuted for obstruction of justice crimes after he leaves office. Is correct? True.
2: Whoa. Yeah, according to Robert Mueller, the president can be charged with obstruction of justice once he leaves office. So you know what that means. Trump is never leaving office. Yeah. He hears that, the Secret Service is gonna be banging on the Oval Office door, like, sir, you need to leave. He'd be like, no housekeeping, thank you. (laughs) So for the Democrats, the Mueller hearing got off to a great start. (laughs) Within the first five minutes, Mueller confirmed that his report did not exonerate Trump and that he could go to prison after he leaves office. But to be honest, this was as good as it got. Because when the Democrats tried to get Mueller to give them juicy sound bites, you know, beyond a simple yes or no, he just didn't take the bait.
0: On that same page, page 97, do you see where there's the intent section on that page? S- I do see that. All right. Would you be willing to read the first sentence? And that was starting with? Substantial evidence. Indicates that the president's? Yeah, if you could read that first sentence, would you be willing to do that? I'm happy to have you read it. Okay, I will read it then.
2: Yeah, nice try, nice try. But Mueller isn't playing those games. Yes, he's like the world's least cooperative audiobook. (laughs) Chapter one, you know what? You know how to read, go get the book. (laughs) Read it yourself. And, And like, because Mueller refused to read out damning passages of his own report for the cameras, some Democrats thought it would be a good idea to take matters into their own hands, and Mueller just wouldn't play along. Donald Trump won committed an obstructive act, two, connected to an official proceeding, three, did
0: so with corrupt intent. Those are the elements of obstruction of justice. This is the United States of America. No one is above the law. No one. The president must be held accountable one way or the other. Now let, me, let me just say, if I might, I don't subscribe necessarily to your um, uh, the way you analyze that. I'm not saying it's out of the ballpark, but I'm not supportive of that a- analytical charge. Thank you.
2: Thank you. <laughs> oh, have you guys ever seen, like, those videos where a player will shoot a three-point shot and then they celebrate, celebrate but the ball just bounces off the rim? Have you seen that? <laughs> that was the congressional version of that shot. That's what that was. Because Jeffries was confident. He was confident Muller was on his side, yeah? And then he didn't know what to say afterwards. He's just like, thank you. It's like when you're trying to win an argument and your friend doesn't help. Mike agrees with me, right, Mike? No, I don't, my man. <laughs> so that was, that was basically the entire day for the Democrats, right? It started off well, but they really tried to get Mueller to give them the sound bite that would help them end the Trump presidency. But he just kept on rejecting them like a special counsel Dikembe Mutombo. He's just like, no, no, no. <laughs> and that's for the Republicans, they had a very different agenda to the Democrats today. You see, they were trying to portray Mueller as incompetent, inconsistent, and biased. They brought up the fact that most of his investigators supported Hillary Clinton, uh, they complained that Mueller contradicted himself, and they even argued that he couldn't be fair to Trump because he was friends with some of Trump's enemies. You and James Comey have been good friends or were good friends for a, for many years, correct? Well, we were business associates.
0: We both started off in the Justice Department about you this. You were good time. friends. You can work together and not be friends, but you and, and Comey friends. were friends. We were friends.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> Poor James Comey. <laughs> Imagine finding out your friend isn't your friend in front of a live national audience. <laughs> yeah, because in interviews, Comey was like, this guy's my ride or die. And now Muller's like, we only hung out because he had a Nintendo, okay? <laughs> And in defense of that Republican congressman, I get why he was so like into this. It's important for him to make this distinction. He was like, just because you work with someone doesn't mean you're friends because I'm not friends with Ted Cruz, you hear me? I am not friends with Ted Cruz. (laughs) So after seven hours of testimony, the truth is we didn't learn anything new. And to be fair, Robert Mueller warned us about this a couple of months ago. He said, if you call me to testify, I won't tell you anything new. So he spent most of the hearing today telling the rest of us to do our homework. When you talk about the president's pattern of conduct, that would include the 10 possible acts of obstruction that you investigated, correct?
0: I, I direct you to the uh, report for how that is characterized.
3: Did McCann do what the president asked?
0: Uh, I refer you to the report. Again, I re- uh, uh, send you the report for uh, uh, where that is stated. I, I refer you to the uh, uh, the report. Uh, I direct you again to the report. I refer to the report on that episode. I refer you to the report if I could. I send you back to the report.
2: I refer you to the report. (laughs) Poor Robert Mueller, man. The guy spent two years writing up an incredibly thorough document, and now people are badgering him with questions he's already answered. It would be like if Jesus came back, and then we spent hours asking him to explain stuff that was in the Bible. Mr. Christ, the book of Exodus says that a man should not covet his neighbor's wife but what if she's like really hot? (laughs) Uh, I think I've answered this in the scriptures. Yeah, but I'm talking like smoking hot, come on. (laughs) Look, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Today was never about learning anything new from the Mueller report. Here's what it was. Democrats wanted Mueller to condemn Trump on camera so they would have those bites. Because a lot of people haven't read the report. And Republicans wanted to use this opportunity so that Mueller could try and admit that the whole thing was biased from the start. But to his credit, Robert Mueller refused to play partisan games. He was impartial as his reporters. Well, I assume impartial as his reporters. I haven't read it, I mean, come on now. (laughs) The point is, Mueller wasn't gonna give anybody the answers that they wanted to hear, including our own correspondents. I sent them to Washington, D.C. with questions of their own. Mr. Mueller, I'm still hung up on this thing that I don't quite understand. In the finale of Game of Thrones, Daenerys went crazy, burned everything down, and then the weird-ass bird boy became king. I would say that's
0: uh, generally a summary.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm done watching these white people shows.
0: Does the empire still come on? Mr. Mueller, I have one question and one question only. Where is the clitoris? Uh, I refer you to the uh, report for that. I never learned to read, genius. I was too busy sleeping with women I couldn't satisfy. So maybe you can draw me a diagram or point it out in a Ken doll or something. I'd have to pass on that. Damn it. Guess I'll never know.
2: I auditioned for the Cats movie. You seen the trailer? Yes. Why does Ian McKellen have a major role?
0: He had some role, but not a a major role.
2: Mm -hmm. But you would agree that I'd be way better than Jennifer Hudson.
0: Yeah, I'm not gonna talk about that. I'm not gonna talk
2: about that. Got it, thank you for your service. Great job team, we tried. We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back to The Daily Show. When a news story falls through the cracks, Louis Black catches it for a segment we call Back in Black.
1: Summertime, that wonderful time of the year when the sun is out. Kids are playing, and I sweat so much, my shirt turns into a map of the Middle East. My nipple is the Gaza Strip. You don't want to go anywhere near it. And on the hottest days, you have a few options. You can hydrate, you can stay indoors, or you could always go to the beach, but only if you want to die Sharks, summertime, close encounters. Scares just feet from shore. In In South Carolina, a shark in knee deep water, just feet away from swimmers. And in New Jersey, a 16 foot great white feasting on a bag of bait before swimming away.
3: This year, Hawaii has already seen twice as many attacks as they did all of last year. And just last week, this great white was tracked near New York's Long Island.
1: When a white shark bites a person, it is a mistake because it thinks that that person is a SEAL. Wait a minute. So if a white shark's biting you, it's a mistake. But if a black shark gets caught with just a little bit of weed, it goes to jail for life? That doesn't seem fair. And also, what do you mean if I get bitten, it's because I look like a SEAL? So now I'm getting eaten and body shamed. Talk about adding insult to injury. And if you're thinking, no problem, I'll just stay in the shallow water where it's safe, well, good luck, sucker. There are new concerns about rare, but potentially deadly flesh-eating
3: bacteria
2: found in warm waters. Potentially deadly bacteria can enter the body through a a
1: scrape. According to the CDC, the bacteria causes 80,000 illnesses and 100 deaths in the U.S. every year.
2: Just pay attention, don't be afraid of the
1: ocean, but
2: be aware of what's going on.
1: Be aware? <laughs> it's bacteria! <laughs> What am I supposed to do, snorkel with a microscope? <laughs> At least with a shark, I can hear the fin and, and, the, and the Jaws music, I can see the fin. But flesh-eating bacteria is a silent killer, like Jason. <laughs> it's what I've always respected about him. He's in it for the stabbing, not the chit-chat. <laughs> also, what's with these bacteria? They never eat the flesh that I don't want. How about instead of my leg, why don't you guys take a nibble on my love handles? That way you still get to eat, and I don't look like a seal. So... So it's dangerous in the water. It's dangerous close to the water. And you think you're safe way up on the beach? You better duck. A
0: warning about a
1: surprising summer danger. Beach umbrellas flying through the air,
0: seriously injuring beachgoers. In Ocean City, Maryland in 2015, a
1: bystander filming as the wind picks up these umbrellas and turns them into projectiles. The videos wild and the situations incredibly dangerous. Over the
3: last 10 years, there have been reports of over 32,000 injuries related to umbrellas across the country.
1: Did you see that? It's an umbrella uprising. We always thought it was going to be the robots. We never suspected the umbrellas. And who can blame them for organizing? We treat them like shit. They only get pulled out in the extreme heat or the rain. We're never like, oh, it's a beautiful day. My umbrella deserves a walk. But on the plus side, if you survive an umbrella impaling, At least you'll never need to buy sunscreen again. So whether it's sharks or bacteria or umbrellas, everything on the beach wants you dead. But don't worry, kids. You can just simulate the experience at home. Just turn off your air conditioning. Stand in the tub with a pina colada and shove a fistful of sand up your ass. Happy summer, everybody, Trevor.
2: Tonight is an actor and an executive producer who stars in the new USA Network series, Pearson. Please welcome Gina Torres. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you, so happy to be here. I have been a fan of yours for such a long time. I don't know if you know this, but Suits was huge in South Africa. All of my friends and I would watch it together. We'd argue acting like we're lawyers when we know nothing. We'd be like, oh, what do you think about the merits of this case? We knew no merits, no anything. all
3: right. So Um, were the actors on the
2: show. We knew nothing. It was good. You played played that character for so many years, and people loved you in that role so much that now your character, Jessica, has moved on to a spinoff show, which is really exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Let me ask you this question. Why do you think Jessica just, like, resonated with people in a way where where, where audiences and networks were like, no, she needs to have her own show.
3: Oh, my God. Um, how often do you get an example of a woman that just typifies a- uh, excellence? Right. Everything about her was impeccable. She had a Harvard Law degree. She was the smartest person in the room. She knew how to get things done. She dressed, like, for... For the masses, I mean, just, I mean, she was ridiculously right. perfect. And she was fearless. And so people want to be that. And the fact that it was this person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this, this woman, she was a woman, she was a woman of color, and that was the lowest thing on the list. She never led with that. She always led with her intelligence, right. her integrity.
2: Her balls. <laughs> it, 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 really, it really was one of the aspects of the character that, that, that really resonated with people was it, you know, it, it was an image that not many people get to see. No. It was just like a, a powerful black woman who wasn't defined by just like the color of her skin. It was like part of what made her, but not what defined her. Absolutely. And, and we, we're seeing that in this new character that you're playing because Jessica's now in a new world. She's in Chicago, mm-hmm. but in politics now. Mm-hmm. Why Chicago? Why <laughs> politics?
3: Chicago is this microcosm of what's going on on a national level and, and to some degree on a global level. Right. We, it, there's everything there. There's, there's political corruptness. There's gang violence. There's immigration issues. There's uh, a incredible and growing disparity between um, uh, not just the races but also on a socioeconomic level. right. And right, so right. we just chip away at it.
2: And it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting hotbed to have her live in because, you know, we've seen your character as, as a strict lawyer, you know, mm-hmm. just the law and the facts. Yes. But politics is all about emotion, you know? It's policy, but it's the emotion that comes with that. And what's interesting about the show is we don't know if we like or hate what your character is doing throughout the show because she's like, you know, she keeps that berry up. Was that, was that purposefully created? Absolutely. It, well, it was, it was part
3: and parcel what made Jessica so interesting. She was quite an enigma right. in suits. Right. And you never really knew where she was gonna come from she, because she was always seven steps ahead of everybody else. Yes. Um, we, for those who love Jessica, don't worry, we got you. She's still very much Jessica Pearson, the Jessica that you know, she's very present. But now you get to see the whole woman. Yes. You get to see what motivates her, Uh, on a personal level. You get to see what motivates her on a professional level. Is she power hungry, really? Or is she now at a place in her life where she's using her powers mostly for good and not evil?
2: It feels like in many ways you share a lot of the drive that Jessica, your character, does. Because, I mean, here you are in a position where you're executive producing this show. You know, you've been staffing the writer's room. You've been at the forefront of saying, hey, I want this show and its creators to represent the people in the show. Mm -hmm. You know, where you've said, it's not tokenism. I want real diversity on the show. I want black and whites. I want Afro-Latina, which has been very important to you. Why? Because who else is
3: going to tell our stories, if not us? We have been... (laughs) For years, for decades, we have been watching ourselves through the lens of white writers, of white male writers. That's just, (laughs) and they don't get it right a lot of the time, (laughs) quite frankly. (laughs) Even the best of them are just, well, can you, and you kind of, and there have been a couple of times when we were doing Suits where I'd have to talk to the writer and say, if we're gonna go there, then go there. Wow. Don't just, you know, say that you went there because you stepped in the doorway. Go in the door, open up a window, sit in the room. Right. And stay there for a minute. Um, And so that's what we're doing.
2: We're going through the door. If you look at Jessica's journey, we've seen her in law. We've seen her now consulting in politics. Do you think that one day she would run for office as president of the United States? (laughs) It would be her time, wouldn't it? It definitely would. Well, stay tuned. Let's <laughs> see. Thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> Wonderful having you here. Pearson As Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on USA Network. Gina Torres, everybody.